The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Are you looking for a pair of sunglasses that are as about a good time as we are here at the corner booth? Well, look no further. Yeats official sunglasses are polarized, stylish, and fit any occasion. Enjoy it. Here at the corner booth, we each got a pair. We're rocking right now in studio. You want yours? Go to yeatsofficial.com, promo code cornerbooth for 10% off, and get your pair now. My personal recommendation, the Aquas... You are now in the Corn Roof Podcast, a sports podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here is your host, Jared Clinton. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Corn Roof Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Clinton, alongside my amazing co-host, Mason Rutch and Matt Ordazzo. Of course, this awesome podcast. Um, well, gentlemen, Championship Sunday is come and gone. Um, we have coaches getting fired. Um, I am trying to get to keep my excitement together, uh, as long as I can, because, um, yeah, it's a crazy weekend, you know, just uh, a lot of wild things going on. I, I, I unloaded on a listener of our show at the gym today. Cause he's like, well, we'll get into it. Obviously, but boys, how was your weekend? Can't complain. I saw some. Uh, I was very excited for this football. I think everybody obviously has been waiting for this Sunday to see who's going to be in the Super Bowl. Um, I was hoping for better games. That um, the officiating in the and uh, the Bengals Chiefs games was probably some of the worst officiating I've ever seen. And I just genuinely felt bad for the Niners because Hassan Reddick single handedly took out every single quarterback on that roster. Like I, I literally felt bad for him because it was just they just couldn't get, escape the injuries. And Hassan Reddick's like just line them up. I'm going to take them down one by one. But I mean, other than that, at least I think everybody, I think everybody ex- either expected or even if they didn't root for them, knew that Philly was going to go. Um, and then it was just really the wild card, whether you were going to get the Bengals or the Chiefs and uh, the uh, referees definitely ensured that the Chiefs were going to be in there. Yeah. And you, and you know, it's, it's unfortunate we even have to talk like this because <clears throat> All calls aside, it was really still a close game. The worst part about <clears throat> this Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs Bengals game, was there was so much build up to it, right? So, in, in a weird way, let's review last week. Besides the Niners fans throwing shit on the Rocky statue, it was a pretty quiet fucking week for the NFC game. Nobody really talked much about it. It was kind of like, <clears throat> well, as much as it could be under the radar. But then you go across the way to the AFC title game. Cincinnati was just chatting and talking and talking. And and Mace, you and me, this is what we agreed on during the show on Thursday. We're like, ain't no fucking way, boy. Ain't no fucking way. They ain't not going to talk this much shit and get away with it. I'm like, it, it's, it just doesn't work like that. The football gods are that ruthless. So, um, uh, I correctively picked the Super Bowl. But my dumbass tried to get a little greedy and take Chiefs plus ten, dipshit. Um, <laughs> and only took Eagles money line, dipshit. Um, so yeah, uh, I um, technically both teams covered. So yeah, it was it was definitely disappointing. I mean, we can all agree. I mean, I know Jared, you are obviously probably thrilled with the outcome. Um, 
but I think kind of like you said, Matt, we were all, you know, really excited for the Cincinnati Kansas city game, because it's, it really felt like this was maybe going to be, you know, it just seemed like both teams could really win. Right. I mean, it seems about like as even as you could pretty much ask for, um, in a, in a conference championship game. And, and, um, I mean, just watching that game, it just, even when, even when, um, Cincinnati was able to tie it up twice, it just never really felt like, you know, they, they were not that they weren't in the game, but it just felt like, dude, this is, we've seen this before. KC's just going to somehow luck out and win this game. The weirdest thing about how this game, the vibe always felt like, okay, where's Kansas city's counterpunch? Where's the haymaker? Like, the best way to summarize this entire weekend in a nutshell is the old Mike Tyson quote. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That was never more evident than Kyle Shanahan refusing to do a wildcat offense to at least give themselves some sort of a fighting chance using torn UCL Brock Purdy. By the way, breaking news, if you haven't seen yet, he has a torn ace at UCL. He's done till at least July at the minimum. Um, And then in the Kansas City game, like the Chiefs prevented the Bengals from running the football. That's like kind of this hidden storyline. Right. Is that Joe Burrow had the longest run of the game at 15 yards? <clears throat> and now I definitely was a little inebriated for that second game. Thank you to my Philadelphia Eagles for stressing me out the entire fucking week. But um, you know, it's watching that game, the Bengals just played so sloppy. The Chiefs felt like they were playing with one arm tied behind their back, and they were still going punch for punch with them. I mean, it, it just kind of felt like, you know, you, you kind of said it best, Jared. Um, neither of these offenses could really get it going. You know what I mean? And, and we, during at least the regular season, <clears throat> were accustomed to seeing these offenses kind of just kind of beat teams down and run at the scoreboard and, you know, just kind of put up crazy offensive numbers. And pretty much the entire game, I mean, no one really got it going. And like I said, I mean, the the it seems like the Bengals would get it to – they'd either tie it or get it to a one-possession game, and then they'd go and score, and then they'd get it tied. And then, it, you know, they'd make case and punt or, you know, Mahomes had the – so they got the ball in pretty good field position and they just couldn't, you know, win themselves the game is, is kind of what it felt like. And, you know, you let a team like Casey hang around long enough. They're at home. Um, we, we know that the NFL really likes Mahomes, and, you know, obviously with that last play that kind of killed all hopes for Cincinnati with the roughing, or I guess, it wasn't rough in the past, or what was it? Unnecessary roughness, mm-hmm. um, the 15-yard penalty that put him in the field goal range. I mean, that that kind of just summed up the whole game, I think, to me for the Bengals because, I mean, two picks from Burrow, you have that penalty um, that kind of iced the game. It was just like, I mean, dude, you're not doing yourself any kind of favors here, especially when you're on the road. You're trying to win a game. Mm-hmm. You've We've talked all this smack all week long that we we kind of have, 
you know, talked about off the show previously. So it, it, it seemed like maybe not that the moment was too big for Burrow, but I don't know if he, if he necessarily came to play, man. It, it obviously was not the same Joe Burrow that we saw last weekend in Buffalo um, in a blizzard. Yeah, this um, this uh, Bengals offensive line did definitely did not hold up like they did last week. Um, last week, I thought they were going to get just humbled. You lost your you lost your um, your center, your right guard, and your right tackle. I think you're going against Buffalo Bills, and they held up. They held their own. They had a rookie start, and this week they lost. I think the center Ted Karras or something like that, and you know they didn't have Kappa, and um, it really showed this time. Chris Jones and Frank Clark and everybody breaking through. A lot of he was constantly just scrambling. I think he was sacked like five times at least his last game. So I right. think that definitely played a obviously a big role in that. But it was just one of those games where defensively the entire game, like it wasn't twenty to twenty until like late, late in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I thought it was going to be like a thirty-four to twenty-eight type game. Um, so not not what I expected, but I mean it was it was a better game out of the two just because it was just everybody was healthy for that last one. But um, the refs definitely. Uh, gave the Chiefs a pretty big advantage. And then con- conversely, Matt, on the KC side, it seemed like Mahomes had all day in the pocket. Nobody mm. could get a- get after this dude. And, I mean, even on the fumble, that was that was his own wrongdoing. It wasn't even like he was pressured. Um, he was just standing alone in the pocket, and the ball just kind of <laughs> slipped out of his hands. But, obviously, I think that kind of speaks to how much the ankle injury is probably hindering his play right now. Because normally, I mean, if Mahomes has a clean pocket like that all game, I mean, this this would probably normally be a blowout. Um, this game would not have been anywhere as close as it was last night. And – you know, Mahomes was kind of just missing throws. And and that's kind of, to me, the only reason that, that um, the Bengals were in this game. So I'll say this. this is, honestly, this game is more of an indictment on the Buffalo Bills than it is on the uh, Cincinnati Bengals O-line. It shows how bad the Buffalo Bills edge rush is. Besides Greg Rousseau and I think maybe Ed Oliver sometimes, like they can't get a rush because that same Bengals O-line was atrocious. And Chris Jones played out of his goddamn mind. Yeah. Um. When it comes to the Bengals, though, the Bengals were a little. I I think the Chiefs got away with a little bit, a little bit of holding on every play, more than like the usual status quo. So I mean, the refs got to be better for the Super Bowl. I'll I'll say that. Listen, Cincinnati, I hear you. There were some bad calls, but at the same, like that fifth down. The redo play, they basically let the whole play go, and then they blew it dead, and they did it again. Um, just a lot of sketchy shit, but you know, you can't do back-to-back sketchy games. Yeah. So, and and I just worry, man, because, you know, obviously I think we, all three of us would agree that the ankle is, is definitely something to watch, but now that he's going to have two weeks to rest up and, Mm. you know, probably get that injury you know, obviously probably not completely healed, but but definitely more healed than it probably is right now. Um, that's that's just kind of the biggest factor to me looking forward to the Super Bowl a little bit is is I think this comes down to how healthy Patrick is and 
And if he can, you know, if he's sharp, then, you know, who knows what can happen. But I think it's definitely advantage Eagles if he's not, if he, if he's kind of like the shell of himself that he was last night. Because, I mean, he, he couldn't run, right? Like, I mean, well, that was very apparent. Is You know, Mahomes is obviously a pretty mobile guy, and it seemed like he was not, you know, taking advantage of the protection that he had around him for sure. Well, I think going forward with the Super Bowl, and I guess this is kind of our first little opening take, how did the Buccaneers beat the Chiefs two years ago, right? It was rush the daylights out of Mahomes. What's the one thing Philadelphia is good at? <clears throat> so we'll see. I think he's going to be – Travis Kelsey is going to be the key, obviously. Um, and that – yeah, that that too. I mean, you know, that was also – I mean, not even 24 hours before the game last night, um, all of the reporting around the back spasms. And, I mean, he was questionable leading up to the game. And it seemed like a lot of people were like, yeah, he's probably going to go just because of the magnitude of the game. But, um, you know, that's something to pay attention to as well. I mean, th- does that calm down? If it doesn't, then, you know, who knows? Who Who's the go-to guy for that KC offense? One thing I will say is the last time the Eagles and Chiefs played, um, it was 2021, and the person who butchered us the most was Tyreek Hill. He's no longer there. <clears throat> Makes me a little less terrified. <clears throat> One thing I'll also say about what'd you say? No, I was gonna say one thing I'll say about that Eagles. Uh, <clears throat> well, two things I'll say about that Eagles um, Niners game is John Lynch should mm-hmm. really sit Kyle Shanahan down and be like, "Listen, uh, you're on a you're on a short leash. I don't care about the success we've had in the playoffs with you in the past. Like, we're not getting the job done." Um, and I would just I would tell him, "Listen, we need to get this shit together. We need to make a serious run. We need to close this out. We need to get the job done because mm-hmm. they've just mm-hmm. been falling short every single season and." I think it's I think it's unacceptable that they didn't throw a timeout in the beginning of the game on that Devonta Smith catch. Like I know it's early on, I know it's so quick to challenge. It was so quick. I just think it warrants at least a time timeout to let the refs review the play and go from there, rather than okay. just kind of letting it run with it. All right, I, this is this is the thing that drove me nuts today because I've heard this so much. And Matt, I love you, buddy. But here's the problem: one, the only angle that was able to show that that wasn't a catch was a downward angle at a 45 degree from a certain perspective for like the Fox sky cam. Right. And the, it took them until the, almost the end of the first quarter to find that view. If you look at the three angles where the refs, this the Niners sideline. And I think who he, who he beat Jimmy Ward. They're all, you could not tell Devonte Smith gamesmanship. Gotta tip the hat to him. He covered that ball perfectly. There was no way to show. So I think that's one thing I will lay off Kyle Shanahan for because there was no way in hell to tell until Fox, who fixated on that fucking catch for an hour, found that after they looked at the 15th fucking angle. That's why I go, I'm like, I'm like, guys, we get it, but who cares? The Eagles were gonna probably score on the next drive anyway. They were marching down the field. Also, the real game breaker was Hassan Reddick. I think he cemented that he should have been given a vote for defensive player of the year because that man just wrecked that game. <clears throat> and let, to give Kyle Shanahan a little more credit, he'll be defending that weenie right now. <laughs> One is the most overrated coach in football. I will bash that point home. His last name gives him a knock. 
everything we know about this guy is that he chokes in the playoffs, chokes in big moments. His offense is overcomplicated and yet seems to get really simple when he's losing. Um, at least the defensive players. But Shanahan's other thing was that game was over, or that game shifted violently that second they tried to put a fucking tight, a backup tight end, not even George Kittle, on arguably the second or third best pass rusher in the game. Came right off the edge, Mach 1, Rip does what he does best, what he's been doing all year, his like eighth force fumble counting playoffs, or maybe his seventh, and boom. That's it. And his concussion. And, and then they and then five what a drive later, dude knocks Josh Johnson out. Mm-hmm. We look on like that tuck and roll, which technically should have been a fumble, but I'll let that one go. We beat him by enough anyway. The Niners had just bad that's like that Madden game you play where you you want to just scream and hit restarts. There's no fucking way this is happening right now. And yeah. unfortunately, and I, that's all I really can say. Like, listen, the Eagles, offensive play calling wise, I've watched enough of Shane Steichen after now two years. <clears throat> like I said, Mason, after that Giants Eagles game week eighteen, I think after that second touchdown, they started just playing with their food a little bit. They said, "All right, let's run the football, dink and dunk passes. Let's make sure we get another score." They turned it up a notch right before the halftime to get that last touchdown, <clears throat> and then they were just kind of like, "All right, nothing, nothing too crazy, nothing, inter- nothing long." Maybe we'll chuck one up to AJ to shut him up on the sideline. <clears throat> and that's it. They're, 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 it was very vanilla. Also, Kenny Gainwell is a matchup nightmare for linebackers. I'm noticing this more and more. He's not as shifty as Sproles, but his straight line speed and his toughness, how he runs, he's a fucking nightmare. He's getting nine yards a catch or nine yards a carry when he gets the ball. So... I'll say this about the Niners, man. They are a formidable... That defense was as good as advertised. They just got worn out. The Eagles had 37 minutes of time of possession. When you own time of possession and the other team's offense has nobody catching the ball for them... Listen, Christian McCaffrey carried that damn thing. Debo shouldn't have been talking shit pregame because he disappeared. Darius and James locked his ass up. But you know what? Listen, Fred Warner and them boys, they played hard. All respect, dude. Jimmy Ward, as good as advertised. Yeah, I just, I mean, look, obviously the, if you, you know, look, the the Eagles did everything right. The defense played well. The offense looked great. But I I just feel like obviously the, the major talking point of the game is just Purdy going out in the first half and, you know, when, when that happens and you're on the fourth string quarterback, I just think the team just sort of mentally, even though it's the NFC championship and there's a spot in the Super Bowl on the line, I think, you know, there's probably a lot of the guys on that team, including the dudes who are on offense, who just feel like, I mean, they think to themselves, this this game's over, man. Um, because, you know, I, I just, I don't know... I don't know how else you can think differently when there's a guy who was probably, you know, a practice squad dude at the beginning of the year. If that scout team quarterback um, is, is coming in in the NFC championship when you're on the road and you're already losing. So 
I don't know. I mean, I think the the hate on Shanahan is like a little out of hand just because I mean, what what is any coach if you're put in that position supposed to do? I mean, there's nothing you really can do, man. I mean, he's already making um a third stringer look you know insane in Brock Purdy for seven straight weeks. And so I I just feel like you know the the Niners just kind of got dealt a a, a, a knockout punch. I mean, there, there's nothing that you can. There's just there's no coming back, man. I mean, you have the I fourth mean, string yeah. quarterback in the game. Here's the way I look at Brock Purdy. Right, I watched maybe eight hours of film on this motherfucker since the playoffs started. Okay, I'll fully admit. Up until about last week, I couldn't figure him out, and then I realized what it was. And I'm also starting to understand maybe NFL draft scouts are morons when it comes to quarterbacks. Because these same draft scouts took Trey Lance at three, and I think Trey Lance needs about four years of college dev. Because, Mason, I think you said this on the show. He's the literally the most inexperienced college football player of all time. Which I love that take, by the way. Honestly, it's like that's a Hall of Fame take right there, buddy. I mean, yeah. How many Coming games? With the fastball. I, I think he played. I think quite literally his like 17 last, games. Well, yeah, and his last year of of they like prior to, game up, right? I think he played one game. Yeah, they made a game up because they knew he was gonna yeah. be a top draft prospect. So South Dakota State violated like their like their conference's COVID agreement and they played one game and he played okay. He mostly ran the ball. So yeah, but but back to what you were saying though, Jared. So the way I look at Brock Purdy is he does three things right. One he gets the ball fucking fast. Clearly not yesterday, but, you know, whatever. Um, two, he doesn't make dumb improv decisions. That's why he doesn't turn the ball over. And three, he's just accurate enough and he is just quick of enough of a release where everything's in rhythm. He stays in a rhythm. Now, that's never going to be more than a bargain bin, Kirk Cousins, but honestly, you put Kirk Cousins in the Niners, they might win the Super Bowl. Right. I will tell you that right now. And this is no disrespect to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's probably top 20 quarterback in this league right now, top 25. And, and some would argue higher. I, 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 would I, say, I would put the cap there because the best defenses they played all year were the Cowboys and Eagles, who they didn't play to the second, third round of the playoffs. I looked back at the games Brock Hardy played. He played a banged up Bucks defense. He played the Seahawks twice, I think, or once, twice, Arizona twice, once or twice. He played twice, a bunch twice of bottom, including the playoff game. Yeah, he played a bunch of bottom tier or bottom fifteen defenses, and I'm like, and I and I and Scott Kaiser, shout out to my boy, said it best. Y'all might kill us. That's what he said, and I'm like, listen, I will never say admit that on air. In the back of my mind, Sunday morning, there are three ways this game was going down. We're going to lose it on a bullshit throw or like a, a tip pass or a strip sack by Nick Bosa, or we're going to play a nail biter and we're going to get a lucky field goal because Jake Elliott's got a fucking howitzer for a leg, or we're going to kick the piss out of him comfortably. So I looked at it and I saw what happened. If the Eagles can start, if the Eagles can get in rhythm, they can run the football, they will beat you. That's how they play their game. They don't want to throw the ball. They like throwing the ball early and quick and out and toying with their food. They like making – and also Shane Steichen as a play caller, I've noticed this now. 
He has feel out. I texted you guys this. He has feel you out plays. Quick screens to AJ Brown, slant routes and sit sit and curl routes to Dallas Goddard. Quick outs to Devontae Smith. Everything's very tongue in cheek. Play with your like, see what kind of coverage they're in, feel them out, see what they're doing for tendencies. Then that fourth down, what do they do? They run a wheel route. It was dead. Devontae Smith, like football, hundred thousand IQ football IQ play, like rolls out of his out route into a go and just starts streaking on the sideline. Jalen, honestly, if that ball's a half an inch lower, Devontae makes catch of the year anyway. And there was a play, I think it was halfway through the third quarter. Jalen got excited because AJ Brown beat Jimmy Ward off the line and he was he smoked him. Like he had tw- 10 yards. And that ball was just about a foot over his head. So I think what's weird with this game, and I, I gotta give credit to the, the Niners, they gave their all. I don't think they really like the defense started losing. It was around halftime. When they saw Brock come in and Brock Purdy could barely throw the football. They knew they were fucked. Um, I had one other point. Crap, I went on a run. This is what happens. I start talking birds. But um, the penalties on San Fran. I, I heard a lot. Oh, the, like my friend Savannah, shout out, former host of the show. Um, She tweeted out jokingly, oh, the refs, the Eagles paid the refs. And I'm like, no, what happened was I said this straight up. I don't know if it was in y'all group chat or my other friend's group chat. When AJ, Devontae, and Dallas aren't open after five seconds, either they're getting held or they aren't rushing anybody. They're too good of athletes not to get open, even if Jalen has to throw it behind them or something. But, like, even on, like, camera, they're not, like, ducking open. Then the holding calls, the illegal hands to the face penalties start coming in. And it's the way I look at the Niners, and I'm like, all right, you know what? They got away with a couple of those against Dallas. They got away with a couple of those against San Fran. They got away with a couple of them against us in the first quarter, first and early second quarter. The problem is they knew they were getting beat and they got desperate and they made they made mistakes. And that's what happens. Exactly. And so I'm not even trying to rant and rave like the Eagles are all got got holy. They didn't play an amazing game. They played a good game. The Eagles' best performance this year still was that New York sized beatdown they put on the Giants in the Meadowlands. I'd say maybe Tennessee too, but if it wasn't for them, Traylon Burks was torching them until Marcus Epps basically broke his sternum. So, I'll, I'll, and I think the Aaron, the Green Bay game was pretty well done, at least offensively performance. So, you know what? If to put a bow in this game, man, Eagles played B plus. Niners defense gets an A A plus, man. They gave it their all. They fought like they fought like hell, man. Three hundred Spartans. They gave it them all. Um, Kyle Shanahan's blocking assignments gets an F minus. If you're dumb enough to think you can put a backup tight end on Hassan Reddick with no chip blocks, man, schematically that's just stupid. That's all. I'm going to give Shanahan <laughs> shit for that one because if you're that smart of an offensive genius, you should know the Eagles have two guys in that defense who could kill your quarterback. Ninety four and seven. You block those two, you stand a chance. Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they're all good players. But 94 and 7 are game breakers. They've been doing it all year. I think Sweat finished with like 11 or 12 sacks. If he didn't get knocked out for three games, he probably would have had 15 or 16. Hassan Reddick, if he didn't have a shit middle of the season, probably would be close to or have more than Bosa. He had like, I think, eight in the month of December. So, unfortunately, Kyle Shanahan, I think, is too smart for his own good. Where... 
I think he tried to stick as hard to his plan as possible to try to outmaneuver the Eagles, but the Eagles defense is just fast. They're overly aggressive, like, but not overly aggressive where they get beat on counter plays. They're overly aggressive, like they may have one a, a late hit penalty or something, where like there's twelve, there's eleven guys to the sticks. There, it's not one guy makes a stolo tackle unless it's like a bang bang play. So, Niners. Y'all be back next year. I think Brock Purdy is the I think Brock Purdy is the guy they should roll with. Unless Tom Brady comes knocking, roll with Brock. If unless Trey Lance comes into the camp, a new man, roll with Brock Purdy. Fuck it. You made it to the playoffs. If he ain't rolling, you throw Trey, Trey in there. It, they're kind of in this win-win scenario. <clears throat> Jimmy G's gonna be a jet or a, a Titan. And you know what? It works. <clears throat> I think Fred Warner said it best when he was talking about um, um, when he was talking about Brock Purdy in the sense of he's Brock Purdy doesn't need to be upset about anything. The reason why we're here is because of him. I mean, in that I think it was like that eight or nine game stretch. He was seven and one or eight and one. I think he deserves to. I mean, also I think it's smart for them to build around him. He's he's going to be very cheap. He's a seventh round rookie. He's not going to be. He's going to be paid pennies. And he had a great you know, half of that season that he played, I would, I would just take the risk, just build around him for that one year. Or if they want to go down the route, like Jared was saying with Tom Brady, just have Tom Brady play that one season, let him learn behind him and come back even better. Mm-hmm. But I think Brock pretty definitely earned the right to at least have at least one season where they build around him and see what he can do for a full 17 games. Absolutely. I mean, and I think thinking about it from a little bit of a bigger picture, um, if you think about the NFC West as a whole, so you've got Arizona, who still is without a head coach, and they've got a quarterback that we don't really know. You know, obviously we know Kyler's potential, but we don't know if he'll ever achieve that said potential. And like, you know, obviously, as I said, still without a head coach. Um, the Rams, you know, who knows what – if they roll with Stafford, if they – you know, try to trade for a quarterback, sign a quarterback, roll with Mayfield, whatever it might be. That's uncertain. Seahawks, I mean, sounding like they're going to roll with Geno Smith, but it's, you know, I don't really see the Seahawks winning more than what, 10 games, maybe 11. I, it if depends they're on what they do in the free agency. They have such a huge cap space. They have a ton of draft capital. But but my point being is it's just that, you know, to, to add to what you guys are saying, I mean, building around Brock Purdy with the offensive skill weapons that you have right now and the in the undisputed best defense in the league, I mean, you know, they're, they're, the, the ceiling is still the, – the ceiling is still Super Bowl. They're, they are I still – Michael Jordan there. No, no, no. But, but I mean, I, I think we could agree that, I mean, Purdy's only going to get better, right? I mean – I don't see this I, I guy so. regressing. Uh, yeah, I so I would say either. this about the Seahawks going into next year. And um, I'm sorry to make cut you off. I'll let you finish a second. Um, a lot of cast space, a lot of draft capital. I think this is going to be a two-team race for the next two, three years. I think the Rams are going to be an eight and nine team next year at best. Like the they haven't fixed any of their problems and their caps getting worse. The Cardinals are a clusterfuck. So basically, you have the Seahawks who are probably going to win eleven games. Niners will win twelve. That that's it. That that's the there's your division, folks. Plain and simple. Right. There's two teams vying for this title, and and that's Jeez, it. I mean, uh, unless I I think the only way that the Rams could find themselves in that sort of 
hunt is if they just start trading people. If they were to trade Jalen Ramsey and get, you know, a couple nice players, a couple draft picks, things like that. But I, I don't I don't really see them doing anything like that. And they'd that. have to hit on every single draft pick too. Right. Right. They couldn't miss on any of them. Matt, what'd you got? No, I was talking about the NFC um, West division. I like. I think the Cardinals are going to have to spiral before they get better. I mean, they've got a coach that they, is on a one-way ticket to Thailand without any way coming back that they got rid of. Kyler Murray is just, I think, just a big question mark on him. Is he going to be? Is he going to be that guy that gets paid and then it's just mid like Ezekiel Elliott guys like that, or is he actually going to like figure this shit out and like actually get this going? Um, they need a lot of help on offense. They're looking like they're already going to get rid of DeAndre Hopkins. That puts Marquise Brown as wide receiver one for them with Rondale Moore. Um, Seahawks. Seahawks, I think, have – I think it's one of those things where it's like high risk, high reward. You're going to run it back with Geno most likely. I would assume at least a three-year deal. Um, the risk is just – is he was this just a one-hit wonder season or is he going to build on this and just get better and keep winning them games or is he going to just kind of turn out to be another seven or eight win kind of quarterback? But the Seahawks at the same time, they get the receivers in place. They got the running back in place. Offensive line is getting a little better. They just got to add some more pieces on defense. They'll have Jamal Adams coming back next year. So they can make a serious run next year and then for that division and give a little run for the money for the Niners. The Rams are – a question mark. They got, I don't know what they're, well, Matt Stafford, I think is coming back. We'll see how he's going to look this year. Um, they got the the uh, Jets offensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator, Michael Floor, who had a wildly inconsistent offense with the Jets. His two years with them, I don't think they were ever higher than like 25th overall. So it'd be interesting to see if it was just, uh, you know, what he had to work with here or if, if that, if he's just not an offensive play caller like that. So we'll see how that goes with the Rams. And then the Niners, like we talked about, the Niners are going to be the divisional winner next year. Brock Purdy, I think, is just going to get better. Even if they get Tom Brady, I still think the Niners with that defense will win that division for as long as they can possibly stay dominant and healthy on that defensive side. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do because I think D'Amico Ryans is going to be the next coach of the Texans. So it's it's going to I'm going to be very curious mm-hmm. to see who they replace him with. Vic Fangio would have been very, very tempting for them, but he's obviously in Miami right now. Yeah. Um, so interesting. I uh, will try. I want to talk about Kellen Moore quick, right? So Kellen oh, Moore is going to join the Chargers. Ready. Um, I don't think Kellen Moore was the problem. I don't. I listen. Kellen Moore ain't the best play caller, but Kellen Moore is not an idiot. The biggest problem in Jerry World is Jerry and Dak. Dak is Dak, man. He literally, this man is Kirk Cousins, but lefty. And a little more mobile. That's it. That's all he is. And and they're trying to – Dak was never a superstar. If he's the quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's probably in his third team contract already. But he's a quarterback of the Cowboys. So he gets a pass. I'll say it, man. Listen, like, Kellen Moore is going to go to the Chargers and watch. The Chargers will throw off like 45 touchdowns next year. I think they'll go get a receiver who actually can stay healthy for more than 30 seconds. Um, they're only going to get better. And I think Kellen Moore, honestly, creativity-wise, will kind of balance out Brandon Staley's stupidity. So um, I think Dallas fucked up. But the thing is, they're stuck with Zeke and Dak. That's what's going to happen. So congratulations, Giants and Eagles, man. High step in their way to the second round every season. 
Because Kellen those Moore. Indians and Dallas are, gonna, are turning into the Oakland Raiders. Mm-hmm. It's like Al Davis came back. Except Jerry's got a better haircut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh? He doesn't even need to have a hair to have a better haircut than that. Yeah, true. Uh, so I, that was my little thing. Because I, I saw, I just saw he, he uh, the update about him going to the uh, Chargers. Kellen Moore was definitely a scapegoat firing. Like everybody was coming at the Jets saying that Michael Floor was a scapegoat firing of the season, which I just Michael Floor did not have the stats that Kellen Moore had. So Kellen Moore was five seasons as a coach in the Cowboys. Four of them was an, as an offensive coordinator. Um, in his four seasons with Dallas as a coordinator, twice the Cowboys had the top ranked offense in yards per game in 2019 and 2021. And also in 2021, they led the league in points scored with 31.2 per game. There is nothing wrong with Kellen Moore in that offense. It's all Dak and it's all Zeke. Zeke got paid and he forgot how to run the ball. Dak is just not a consistent quarterback that can get the job done once you get into the playoffs. He's good enough to get you there, but he's not good enough to win anything. Kellen Moore going to the Chargers, he's getting Justin Herbert, who to me is is very similar to Dak Prescott, but he's better. He's just to me, he's just better than Dak Prescott. He's younger. I think he's got a stronger arm. I think he's just more clutch. I like him more than Dak. I don't like Brandon Staley. I think that's what's really holding the Chargers back from making a serious uh, push. But I think Helen Moore, you give him, think of how very similar. I mean, you're getting Justin Herbert, who's a big quarterback like Dak with a strong arm. You got Austin Eckler, who, you know, he can catch and run just like the backs and, um, in, in uh, Dallas can. And then I just think that they just have better receivers when they're healthy in the Chargers side. But I think Kellen Moore has a great situation that he's stepping into in, in San, in, uh, it's not San Diego anymore with the Chargers. Um, I think he's going to work wonders with Herbert and Eckler. And as long as Keenan Allen and Mike Williams can stay healthy, hopefully they can add another receiver with them. I think it's going to be, I think their numbers on offense are going to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably will buy Brandon Staley another couple years as coach. But I think Kellen Moore is stepping into a better situation in with the Chargers. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, in terms of <clears throat> off the field antics, one hundred thousand million percent. Because we are all very aware of the off field expectations and just everything that comes along with being, you know, anyone who's a Cowboys player coach staff member front office person you know whatever it might be um we're we're all very aware of what comes along with that and so i think this move to me the way i interpret it is that i mean i i think there's a very good chance that prescott is going to be the quarterback of the of the dallas cowboys next season and i i think you know this is essentially saying Kind of like you said, Matt, you know, this is our issue. Moore is the issue. Prescott can be better than he was whenever. Um, And, you know, if we get our right offensive coordinator, if Dak's in the right system or whatever, um, the the sky's the limit or whatever. So, I mean, I think we, we can all agree that for the Cowboys to get better, for them to to make that next step into a, I mean, now that the Eagles are looking very good, you know, a division winner, 
you know, find themselves in an NFC championship, find themselves in a Super Bowl, you're going to have to make a change at quarterback. But obviously it seems like that's not something that's going to happen at least next season. Jerry Jones, in my opinion, is not capable because obviously the man runs the team. He's the GM. He's the owner. He's all of the above. He should not be the GM. He, he should really have somebody take those reins. Or even if it was like his son, I just think this guy just needs to let somebody else make the business decisions. But he has an unhealthy obsession with his players. All you got to do is have one or two big years for him, and he'll treat you like you're the greatest player at that position. He'll give you all the years and the money that you want, and he'll never get rid of you. He's going to probably hold on to Deke, to uh, uh, Dak and Zeke until they're 35, you know, plus or whatever. But he he loves his guys, and I respect it. But it comes a time where you really got to look at your team and like, all right, is my offensive coordinator the issue? In four years, he's had the best offense twice in the league out of those four years. No, it's not him. So that you got to look at the running back you paid all that money in all those years to that's not doing absolutely shit for you when you have Tony Pollard that's playing better than him. You got to look at the quarterback that's not getting the job done for you when it matters the most. Even Mike, I almost feel bad for Mike McCarthy. I mean, I don't think he's a, he's, you know, a fantastic coach. I think he's good enough to, to do what he's got to do and get the job done. But I just, I think the real issue right here is I think they need to cut ties with Zeke and Doris Pollard. I think they have to just go get a different quarterback that can, that can pretty much just close it out. Cause I just don't think Dak is the answer for them. It would be really funny if they went out and got like Greg Roman and then, then, you know, bring in Lamar, you know, something along those lines. Right. Um, probably not going to happen, but you know, Hey man, that, that you never say never. Right. I think classic Dallas would be to bring somebody in somebody mid like a Ben McAdoo, bring that guy in, still have, um, still have Mike McCarthy probably be the one calling the offensive plays and just let him have the clipboard and uh, go from there. I just think that'd be a classic Cowboys thing where they just get some average experienced coordinator and then they still have Mike McCarthy call the plays. Yeah, it's, it's a, it's a train headed to nowhere um, in Dallas, I'm afraid. And, and I think especially with the rise of the Eagles and you would have to assume that the Giants are probably going to get better because they're going to draft a receiver or trade for one or um, sign someone in free agency. They've got to get better. And so it's just like there's there's no positive outcome to this sort of move. There, there really is not any sort of positive outcome because you're just you're, you're not addressing the problem, the glaring issue that I think the majority of Cowboys fans now, after you know the way that they lost two weeks ago in San Francisco, are maybe sort of starting to open their eyes to. And I mean, nothing's going to change, man, until you until you address the quarterback problem. Not to change course. I mean, it's it is about an offensive coordinator, but something I thought was very interesting. I I it could be just me. I wasn't aware that Eric Bieniemy was not the play caller in Kansas City. So is it I, Andy Reid? Uh, it is. So I I don't know how true it is. I saw a report. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with. Um, I think it's like JPA football. Yeah, definitely. Um, put out a put out a post saying um, that he was being requested to interview for some vacant offensive coordinator positions, and I'm like, why is he interviewing for the same gig he's already got? And they were saying in the post 
this will have this will allow him to call plays something that he's not able to do in Kansas City. So I'm like, so I think he runs the practices, but I think when it comes to game time, I think Andy Reid is the one calling the plays. So now I'm wondering is is he not getting coaching jobs because maybe it's not really that he's not interviewing well. Maybe I've heard teams, he's just an asshole. That's it. Like, well, that too. But I wonder if teams are like, listen, like you don't technically call the plays during games. Like I don't even know if you're going to be able to coach for me, let alone be my offensive coordinator when you, it comes time to the games. Yeah, that would the, be something. Let the commies take them. I'm all for it. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you're learning under Andy Reid, I would even take the risk and be like, here, be my OC at least. But that kind of makes sense to me if that's a reason why he's not getting some head coaching jobs. But I just was not aware of that one until I saw that post. I thought this whole time he was the one that was the genius behind the offense of Mahomes. It's Andy Reid. Well, what I know is cheeseburger Andy. Y'all got anything else you want? I, mean, I honestly, I knew today was gonna be a little shorter today because I mean, this is like kind of like we get to relax for about a half, about six, seven days, then it starts ramping up next week. Um, I don't know what we're doing for shows going forward. Uh, obviously, we'll do our Thursday show before the Super Bowl. That'll be our Super Bowl spectacular. Um, and then we'll do one more show post uh, Super Bowl that Monday. Uh, either I'll be hungover, happy, or hungover, pissed off. <laughs> Well, I've got about uh, six days to prepare to watch Sauce Gardner play flag football on Sunday. I mean, I, I don't think I'm complaining. Um, I was never a fan of the Pro Bowl because nobody tries, so maybe they'll actually try with flag football. But um, I'm pretty sure Thursday is some sort of game competitions, and I think Sunday is the flag football that I still I am ecstatic for that shit. I don't care. I'm going to pop a couple beers back <laughs> and watch this shit. Because honestly, it may be fun as fuck, dude. Y'all remember like the celebrity flag football game back when we were younger? Yeah. That shit was like my favorite. Like I loved watching like Snoop Dogg Moss, like fucking Jimmy Kimmel in the back of the end zone for a touchdown. I loved the um, the celebrity softball, like the home, celebrity home run derby, whatever they used to do. Celebrity softball is fun as fuck. I, I get mad because I miss it every fucking year. Because usually it's on like that, like that Monday when we're recording or the Tuesday. But I, I enjoy it. Um, the celebrity basketball game's kind of falling off. I wonder who I just got with that in the group chat. Uh, that'd be Jeffrey. <laughs> Everybody's talking about the U. I went to the U. Of Southern Connecticut State. Shut up! Don't de- don't <laughs> legitimize Kevin's grumpiness. I used to tell um, I had a bastard. Let him focus on fucking moving. My old my old job. I had a, a physical therapist there that went to um, he went to the uh, Miami for his undergrad and then for his master's or his doctorate he went to UConn. Um, so whenever I one day he he's, what he's a in downgrade. Italy. Jesus, I know uh, it's probably cheaper, but. Um, it was one day he was, uh, I don't know, he's, he's, in, he's Italian like me, but one day he was telling me how much he loves Olive Garden, and I was just like, "There's you didn't just say Italian and Olive Garden, the same sentence, and then and say you enjoy it. So then after that, I started telling all of his patients that he went to the U of Miami of Ohio, just to piss him <laughs> off. So for like at least three years, I told everybody he went to the University of Miami of Ohio, and he was so pissed that I used to just do that. Oh, and I take it back. Yeah, he figured it out. <laughs> But no, I mean, either way, I am excited for next week. I am not excited for how many pounds of wings I'm cooking. I'm up to 15 pounds, I believe. 
That ain't not bad. Yeah, so I, um, multiple flavors. Um, one thing I like about the the extra game of the season is now that you got two more weeks of football activity, um, you got to pretty much. It, it feels like a flick of the you know flick of the finger that the uh, free agency is going to be around the corner yeah, too. And also, like you get college basketball to tide you over as well. Mm-hmm. Then you have baseball. Then you know middle of July. There's no real stories. So usually, corner booth takes one of the two. Because folks, if you guys are new here, we usually take a hiatus. We're right after the Super Bowl till March. We'll maybe do a Thursday show here or there, but I'll let these boys recover because I know it's it's a grind, man. Five episodes left, boys. We're almost there. Or four episodes well, the biggest, left. Uh, the biggest news is going to be who didn't report to voluntary minicamp and why it's a big oh deal. Oh, my God. I hate those S stories because they end up playing, and it's like it's not a big deal. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we'll like, come back. Oh, for, um, they're going to be like, oh, Devonta Smith didn't – sorry. They, they're going to say Devonta Smith didn't come to voluntary workouts. And it's going to be because he's like, oh, yeah, well, uh, I have a family obligation down in Florida or whatever. And then they're going to yeah. make the biggest Or him, Jalen, and A.J. Brown are running sprints in Jalen's farm in Texas. Like, it's like – it's like, who cares? Oh, man, if I got a farm, I'd just build a football field out there. That's what I would do. Fuck yeah. I think it's what – I think it's what, like, half these football guys do. But either way, Mace, anything else you want to talk before we uh, roll on out of here tonight? Oh man, I think we we covered a lot of the coaching news in the games, obviously. So yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I, you no know what? Worries. That's why like this show is always a shorter one because we don't pick the next game. We don't really talk about the Super Bowl matchup. Even Thursday, Thursdays gets dry. So like Thursday is a tentative. We're doing a show. It's just a matter of if we have topics. So I can't figure out shit to talk about by Thursday morning. We won't do it. Um, one thing I'm I'm trying to look it up. Um, wasn't, wasn't like the deadline to trade Derek Carr, like, and isn't it in a couple days? Like they said, like, if they couldn't get a suitor by February 1st, they were going to cut him. Something like that. So yeah, two days until that happens, if that's the case. So I'm thinking we could see some breaking news with Derek Carr in the next couple of days, maybe by our Thursday show. Man, we got, we might have shit to talk about. Either a trade or a, I don't know. I think he's going to stay more West Coast. He's a Cali kid. He went to what, Fresno State, right? Um, yep. I can see him. I can see him being a backup with C- Seattle for some reason. Geno Smith didn't work out, but I think they're going to stick with Geno Smith. Um, I mean, I think you could look at him any West Coast team. You want to look at him at Arizona if uh, they want to get rid of Kyler. You want to look at him with the Rams. Um, I don't see him going east. I just I like I like Derek Carr. I think he'd do well in New York and you know other Eastern Coast teams. I just don't think he's going to come to where the weather is cold majority. Of the I time. think he might sit and relax until April if they cut him or in March. He might just relax. Yeah. Get I mean, shape, look at post draft. Look at yeah, post draft. See who doesn't take a quarterback that needs one and just kind of go from there. I could definitely see he's going to wait and see where Rodgers goes, where Lamar goes, and where Jimmy G goes because he knows some team is going to need or not going to like the contract offer, and they'll be like, hey, Derek, Jimmy said he wants nothing less than 20. Will you do it for 18? All right, the, you're signed. Um, the writing is in stone that Rodgers is going to be a Jet, but – it is also very classic Jets that they're going to wind up with Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett because Aaron Rodgers is going to retire or something. Like yeah. Yeah, all the signs point to the Packers are saying they're they're interested in moving on from him. We got Nathaniel Hackett. 
all the signs are pointing to Rodgers is going to be a Jet. And then all the signs are pointing to, mm, it's going to be same old Jets. You guys are going to go get, you know, you guys are going to go get Baker Mayfield. You're going to go six wins. Zach Wilson's not going to learn shit and go from there. But I don't know. I'm, I'm oh, curious. Shit. To see um, if- um, breaking news, uh, Jazz Chisholm, MLB The Show, cover athlete this year. I like it. I do too. He's a young, he's a young upcom- upcoming guy. Um, he's he's a he's a good team player too because the Marlins were, the Marlins I think required they acquired was it like Lewis or a Razor from uh, the yeah, Twins yeah, yeah. or something like that, and he was like, listen, man, go get who you want to get, play me where you want to play me, and I will hit, I will hit excess amount of home runs for you. I'll do this and that for you. So I, I like him. He's a young kid that's hungry to play. He's a team player. Um, good for him, man. Uh, it's nice to see something different because I was there. I was thinking if they were going to put Otani or Judge or something back on that again after like three or four years of that doing that. But I'm glad to see somebody. Nah, make. fuck it. Let's do Corbin Carroll. Let's make this official. <laughs> All right, um, boys, I'll let you run. Uh, the show, of course, will be up on iTunes and Spotify tonight or YouTube tomorrow. Um, uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe on YouTube at Corner Booth Pod. Uh, just search us. You'll find us. Um, false and everything. Corner Booth. Jared is my Twitter hand. Uh, my everything except Twitter handle. Belly up Jared is for Twitter just for continuity reasons. Follow us at Corner Booth Pod on Twitter. Follow Matt at Big Wisp on Twitter. And Corner Booth Matt on everything else. And uh, yeah, just give us a shout. Give us a follow. If you got anything you want us to talk about Thursday, shoot us a message or, co- or uh, tweet at us. We'll talk about it. Y'all have a good weekend. Go Birds. And, uh, yeah. See y'all Thursday. Deuces. Hey, guys. Jared. Thanks for checking out the Corner Booth Pod. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Corner Booth Pod. This podcast is brought to you by the Belly of Podcast Network.